This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 291, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, July 22nd. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 291. It's our comic reviews episode for releases from Wednesday, July 22nd. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Every week we take a look at some of the comics that came out the previous week, look at the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, give some quick uh, impressions of if the comics are good and or if they're bad, why. Uh, so let's take a look. This week I had a chance to read eight comics, which is still better than the last couple of weeks. Uh, so the first book we're going to talk about is All New Hawkeye number 4 which continues to kind of tell two different types of stories. Uh, it's written by Jeff Lemire, artwork by Ramon Perez. Um, the upper path of this issue, which I think last issue we just got, like, I think a panel at the bottom. Now they kind of inverted it. So it's a great flashback to Barney and Clint's upbringing and uh, their time at the circus with uh, Swordsman. Uh, that part is really interesting. That's the, I guess, maybe 67 or maybe 75% of a page is devoted to that story. Beautiful art. I really like the kind of watercolor look to it. Very ethereal, very in keeping with the idea of it being a memory um, as we kind of see how, you know, Clint was not really into the, the thieving and to the, uh, the dark side of the circus, but Barney was all too willing also to protect his brother. And uh, it's just really interesting to see how they're kind of developing that part of the story. Um... The part of the story where, you know, they've got these kids that Hydra is trying to kidnap back, not as interesting, um, part of, partly just because it doesn't have as much time to breathe, and there's not as much kind of talking in those panels, so it's more silent. Great art, but, you know, it, it, it's almost distracting. I think if you read the entire issue, just kind of reading the top half, and then go back and just read the panels on the bottom, which I'm kind of flipping through right now, I think it works a lot stronger, and in fact, it's a better story. I think it's when you're kind of reading this other kind of story that has, feels like it has almost nothing to do with it, but it thematically is linked, uh, and then you go to read the bottom of the page, it doesn't quite work, but if you read it sequentially, just looking at the bottom panels, it's actually really good. Um, I, so, you just heard me change my mind in the space of about 30, minutes, uh, 30 seconds. Um, overall, good issue, remains a good book, very different and yet similar to the book we had before uh, by um, Fraction and Aja. Uh, so I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. It remains consistently entertaining, and the flashback, I think, is really good. Uh, next up is Aquaman 42. Eh, I want to like this. I, I, I like Aquaman. It's something about this just doesn't work. I guess it's just because it feels like it's such a, a big shift from where we were when we last saw Aquaman. And then we have this new version where he's wearing a different costume, has somewhat different powers, different status quo. And I have no, nothing against the new status quo. I just, I don't, I don't like the costume. I don't really like how he's being written. I liked, I feel like it's just so different. And it's interesting tonally that when we have the flashback moments, I think they're so good. I think uh, Colin Bunn and um, Trevor McCarthy are doing a good job on the, kind of the flashbacks uh, where we see that kind of the classic Aquaman that we've had more recently. That's and that's the best part of the story. And then we got to, you know, the kind of current Aquaman. And I just, I don't know why I'm having such a di- disconnect here. Maybe it's just the the artwork is so different in terms of how he's being portrayed. But even the scripting feels very different. So I'm not a huge fan. Um, so I feel like half this issue I'm really on board with, and half of it I'm just not. Uh, him being kind of an out, being targeted by Atlantis, and Atlantis sending hunters after him. I just don't really dig it. Um, 
the whole idea of a kind of a remnant of lost Atlantis kind of encroaching and potentially destroying our reality, that's kind of cool. Um, it's more some of the other parts. And again, I don't know why it has to have somewhat different powers now. I don't know why these tweaks have to happen, why his costume has to be this way, why it has to look this way. Uh, I, I'm going to give it a, a 6 out of 10. I'm being a little charitable in some ways, but like part of it I like, but part of it I just really don't. Uh, next up is Cyborg, number 1. Uh, so he finally gets his ongoing series. Uh, that being said, not a huge fan so far. Um, this is written by David F. Walker, and it's uh, penciled by Ivan Reyes. Or Reese. Uh, I'm not as impressed with his artwork. I, I was expecting a little bit better. I just, maybe it's also that like the parts where he does, gets it right is the parts with Cyborg and the more human parts. And then when you have these weird you know, kind of techno creatures going up against these other creatures way out in deep space... I think it kind of takes away from part of the issue for me. And I think even in the scripting, like, I'm so uninterested in this new kind of mindless villain that wants to find out where this, you know, crazy, amazing tech came from. I I just find I don't like that part of the story. Now, the part of the story where you have Victor Stone wondering who he is, what he is, if he's even man or machine, uh, the idea that, you know, he's got this new enhancement to his armor that seems to have repaired him when he should have died... It's kind of giving it a mystery. You have the ongoing family dynamics. That part's all good. It's just more, you know, introducing a villain that I'm not super on board with, and and it just seems kind of bland. In some ways, it kind of reminds me of the first trade of Aquaman uh, when he went up against the Trench, who are also kind of a mindless villain. It was more about kind of defining the character and his place in reality and, and his, his own supporting cast, and then having him going up against this villain. And I guess the weakest part of that storyline probably was the trench, but there was a lot of other good things to like as well. I feel the same way about Cyborg. I'm going to give it maybe a 6.5 out of 10. Um, I think there's some interesting ideas. I just, I'll have to wait and see if they're able to make this villain into something interesting and threatening, because thus far I'm not really impressed. Uh, next up is Flash, number 42. Talk about something that I'm not impressed with. It just feels very different tonally. Again, I keep I keep having to say that over and over again. But this doesn't even feel like it's the same Flash. Like It's even the same writers, but adding in the Henry Allen aspect feels so much like they're trying to tie it into what we know of the TV show or of that kind of idea of the character. And he doesn't. the character doesn't even feel the same. Uh, it's interesting because the creative team hasn't changed in the last couple of issues, but the tone of the book seems to have changed, and even the way that Barry's being written feels more like the TV series and less like the Barry that we, they were writing previously. Now that we finally have Barry back, it's just weird to have this version of him. Uh, it's written by Robert Venditti and Ben Jensen, artwork by Brett Booth, who, again, is not my favorite artist. Some of the elongated faces. Um, the way that Zoom's being written here, like, I don't even care. Like, I, I, I'm not even that... I'm not really digging how this version of Zoom is being written, how he even exists, considering with the other reverse Flash we had, who's Daniel West, who I didn't really like that much, but now they're just kind of throwing in this other Zoom. Um, I don't like the way he's being written. I do like parts of this. I do like, you know, the uh, the cop whose wife is, you know, is dying and how he kind of assisted uh, the breakout at Iron Heights. That's kind of cool. Um, seeing... You know, Henry Allen almost, you know, kind of kills someone because of Zoom's interference is cool. There are, like, moments here that are interesting. Uh, even Grid was, uh, I think his name is Grid, um, was really cool in terms of his kind of taking care of his mom and what his mom even thinks and how she's acting as well was really cool. Um, there's a lot of moments here, but it doesn't connect. Um, 
And again, the artwork is not my favorite either. I'm going to give it a 5.5 out of 10. I think it has the potential to get better. There are elements here that are good, but um, part of it's going to also hinge on what they do with Zoom and how they kind of, who he even is, and if they can make it a, an, an interesting mystery or something that actually I will start to care about as a reader. But thus far, I can't really say that I've been sucked in at all. Uh, next up is Future Imperfect number three. Uh, actually, just just today read issues two and three. Um, really liked it. Written by Greg Land. Sorry, Greg, written by Greg Land. Written by Peter David. Artwork by Greg Land. Um, interesting. You know, we have the the rebels. So we have Layla Miller uh, bringing Ruby Summers and. Uh, Janice and everyone into the uh, the castle of the maestro to try and rescue the thing. They end up going up against uh, some of the castle guards. They finally find out where the thing is, only to find that uh, he's having a bit of a, a sit-down dinner in this kind of uh, lavish area with the maestro. And the maestro wants to take on castle, uh, King Doom, and he wants to use the destroyer armor to do it. And I actually really dug it. Maybe not a lot of forward plot progression, but I liked the idea that it was kind of a surprise when you see that him and Thing are just hanging out. I mean, yes, after last issue, you kind of had an idea that they were going to work together. Um, but the way that they, they kind of decided to, you know, he needs this team to kind of help him to get what they want and what he wants, which is him out of uh, dystopia. Um, the artwork by Greg Land is actually pretty good. Um, it's not as cheesecakey, not as photo-referenced as it could be. I mean, there's still certain Greg Land moments that are still here, but I think overall, I think it is a much stronger book, uh, or stronger look, I should say, than it maybe I would have expected. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Next up is Grayson number 10, which continues to be really engaging. It's written by uh, Celia and King, uh, artwork by uh, Mikhail Yannan, who remains just brilliant. Uh, this particular issue is written by Tim Seeley with the plot by Celia and King. Um, really kind of dug at the idea that you know who is this guy who appears to be killing people but making it look like it's Dick Grayson uh, Dick Grayson goes to kind of meet a, a, someone for the drop and it ends up being Lex Luthor which I thought was really cool um, it, this was kind of a fast and breezy I'm excited to kind of see what the resolution is going to be to who is killing agents and potentially using Dick Grayson's form to do it um there's a lot of, you know, f again, it's a fast-paced action book, but there's also some quieter moments which work just as well. Uh, the scene with Luther and Dick Grayson, it just sizzles with tension. Uh, it's easy to forget that, oh yeah, Luther kind of killed Dick Grayson and then brought him back to life in Forever Evil, like which kind of is what led to this kind of the new status quo for Dick Grayson. So it's very interesting to kind of see those two characters interacting, who they wouldn't typically um, so I, I dug this quite a lot. I'm going to give it a, a very solid and qualified 8 out of 10. I say qualified and, and uh, solid because obviously I've been made fun of in the past for my high ratings. Uh, but when I like something, I like something. So next up is Punisher. Speaking of things I like, issue number 20. I think this is finally the end. I thought last issue was it, but this one appears to be it. Um, it's written by Nathan Edmondson, artwork by Mitch Garads. Again, if I go back and listen to like maybe the podcast on the first episode, first issue of this Punisher book, I probably would find that I didn't really like it and I wasn't really sure what to make of it. Now that it's over, I can't imagine reading a Punisher book by any other creative team. Um, it's such a specific version of the character, but it's amazing. He's a force of nature. Uh, here, it's basically just him against like a whole platoon of guards going after one particular um, bad guy. Uh, it's the, the artwork is thrilling. 
Uh, it's very cinematic. Um, I think in collected, it'll, it'll read even better. Um, I don't. It looks like he almost dies at the end, but obviously, you know, Punisher can't ever die because they need to keep the character going. But the artwork is subdued. I love the colors. Um, the the red as it kind of gets splashed in when he gets bleeding is really good. And I guess Mitch Grads does the colors as well because just he's credited for art and cover. So um, it's just a gorgeous, you know, wonderful read. Uh, very dark and brutal, but extremely entertaining. Again, very cinematic. Um, this is not a disappointment at all. If this is, again, I hate to say it, but like if this was the last time I ever read a Punisher book, I'd be glad it was this one because this was so well done and a great ending. And again, everything about it. It's interesting that I've I've really come to respect and enjoy Edmondson and Garides as a team. When they first came on the book, I really wasn't a huge fan. Part of it was probably because I was used to what Greg Rucka had done with The Punisher, and it was a very different take. But now that we're like you know almost two years in, I'm like, oh my god, like this is I've come around so much that I I love going back and reading those earlier issues and being like, you know what, I understand what my issue was at the, before, but I was way too hard in the book, uh, and now maybe I'm too late because I'm gonna be getting a nine out of ten. And uh, last but definitely not least this week is Spider Woman number nine. Um, this is a heck of a lot of fun. It's written by Dennis Hopeless, artwork by Javier Rodriguez, who does the pencils and colors. Um, this is a fantastic book, although Ben Urich looks younger and slimmer than he ever has, but otherwise, this is a great read as uh, the porcupine and Ben Urich and Spider-Woman go on a, a trip, uh, you know, kind of a road trip, and you get kind of the glimpses of some of the crazy adventures they're having, uh, the issues that they're having with Porcupine, they finally end up um, at, uh, I guess, historic Dodge City, and they end up against, you know, a, a crime boss of sorts. Um, instead of like a big over-the-top supervillain, it's a little bit more down-to-earth, but um, it's very enjoyable, very engaging. Uh, all the characters really snap, crackle, and pop. I'm going to give this an, a, a very well-deserved 8 out of 10. Uh, books I didn't get a chance to read. There were many, but some of the highlights include... Uh, the Fables Final Trade Paperback, just because I'm so behind on this book, so I couldn't pretend to even want to read this yet, because I'm so far behind. Um, well, I do want to read it, but I just can't even get to it yet. Uh, JLA Gods and Monsters Batman number one came out, three, Justice League 3000 number, 3001 number two, uh, Prez number two, Sinestro 13, new issue of We Are Robin, as well as Wonder Woman, there was new issues of Mickey Mouse, Uncle Scrooge, and Walt Disney Comics and Stories, uh, from Marvel, uh, there was E for Extinction, number two, a new issue of Kanan, The Last Padawan, uh, new Secret Warriors tie-ins for Magneto and Loki, Agent of Asgard as their ending as well, Marvel Zombies, number two, Old Man Logan, number three, the launch of Star-Lord and Kitty Pride, number one, and then also a new issue of Uncanny X-Men, which I swore that they were done like leading up to issue 600. I didn't realize that we are still getting more. And then World World, number two. Uh, if we look forward to this coming week, um, which will be, I guess, tomorrow on the 29th of July. Some of the highlights include uh, Batgirl 42, uh, Deathstroke Annual Number 1, Flash Annual Number 1, Gotham by Midnight Annual Number 1, The Green Lantern by Jeff Johns, Omnibus Volume 2, uh, JLA Gods and Monsters, Superman Number 1, The Lobo Annual, um, uh, Red Lantern 6th Trade Paperback, you got Superman 42, uh, over at IDW, there's a new issue of Donald Duck. Uh, there's also a new issue of Gem and the Holograms, as well as uh, the TMNT ongoing uh, at Image Comics. We've got a new issue of Lazarus. 
uh, as well as Sex Criminals and Rasputin, a new shift Seven Bastards. I'm pumped to actually start reading this uh, as it's coming out. Uh, as well as a new issue of Manhattan Project, Some Beyond the Stars, this is issue number two. Woohoo! I won't say finally. Well. <laughs> uh, then also at Marvel, we've got Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies number two, uh, A Last Day's tie in for Black Widow, Daredevil 17, which I don't think is the last issue by Wade and uh, Somni, but it might be. Uh, there's, an, I think, the final issue of Deathlock. Uh, man, I love that book. Uh, finally coming out, we've got the Hawkeye Trade Paperback Volume 4, Rio Bravo. I can't even believe it's coming out. Uh, there's the Magneto Volume 3 Trade Paperback called Shadow Games. Uh, new chapter of Modoc Assassin, that's issue number 3. They start the Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man Ultimate Collection. Man, that's a title. Uh, book 1. Um, there's a new issue of Star Wars, new issue of Thors. Uh, plus there's Uncanny Avengers Volume 3. Five trade paperback, which is the Axis Prelude, as well as the second print edition of X Men '92, uh, issue number two. So that's uh, some of the highlights coming up this coming week, or basically tomorrow. So thanks for joining us for this episode. You can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, listen to us on Stitcher, uh, and also post in our HC Realms thread if those ever end up going up again. At some point, I'll get around to it. I promise. Um, Next episode that will be coming out will be episode 292, which will be our conversation with Peter Sanderson. He's a noted uh, comic book historian, really interesting guy, so he sits down to have a conversation with us. Although there were some technical glitches with that episode, but for the most part, I think it came off well. Uh, Episode 294 um, has not been fully plotted out. Um, It looks like it might be a Talking Heroclix episode, but I'm not quite sure yet. And then from there, uh, we've got a a Spotlight on Fantastic Four episode coming up, as well as some more Summer Interview Series episodes, although they're going to start bleeding into the fall, so maybe it'll just end up becoming a Summer-Fall series. So uh, make sure to keep uh, keep, uh, an eye out for those. So thanks for joining us today for this Comic Reviews episode, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.